Hello, I'm Mary Portas and this is The Kindness Economy, a podcast that looks at the new values driving the businesses of tomorrow. People, planet and profit in that order. It's the future. Are you ready for better? I've lain awake many, many times during those long grey hours near dawn. They can feel so overwhelming, can't they? But I've learnt not to rail against those moments, to distract myself until I finally fall asleep again. Because while it might feel overwhelming when the world around you is still and silent, every morning, without fail, the sun rises and another day starts. I'm sure I'm not alone. I'm, lots of us are having sleepless nights, given the state the world is in right now. So what do we need to help us get better through the nights and, of course, the days? If you'd asked the Beatles, they'd have said, yeah, love is all you need. But I say there's another equally important four-letter word in the English language. Hope. If love is the glue that knits us together, hope is what propels us forward, however brutally we are tested. Without hope, what impetus do we have to keep moving at all? Now, I'm not talking about those cartoon versions of positivity that we see on graphics through social media feeds. No, this is a very human emotion of believing, even in the face of facts that might seem to contradict you, that evolution and change is possible. Hope isn't about what's just in front of us. It's about what might be, the life we could possibly will into existence. That's it in a nutshell. Even when the odds seem stacked against us, when our own individual world or the larger one around us feels bleak, we can still take an imaginative leap. We can still make the powerful decision to hope. It's an expression of both our individual and collective agency, our ability alone and together to create change. Hope is a light we can all choose to focus on. And by doing so, we can collectively will it to burn bright enough to guide us through the darkest days and help us create better ones. I'm Mary Portis, and this is The Kindness Economy. Running a small business can be tough. I mean, you're not just the CEO, you're also the marketing, the finance manager, and everything else in between. Technology, however, and digital tools can play a big part in taking on some of these tasks, giving you that much-needed headspace to focus on running your business. But it's hard to know where to start, which tools are right for you, how do you go about integrating them, and when is the right time to make the investment. MasterCard's Strive UK programme has been set up to make it easy for small business owners to access the support needed to digitise, whether that's incorporating accountancy tools or new digital payment methods. Through free guidance, helpful tools and personalised one-to-one mentoring, Strive is empowering small business owners across the UK to succeed. For more on how Strive UK could help your business, visit mastercard.co.uk slash drive. OK, here's the show. My guest today believes, like me, that micro and small businesses are the lifeblood of the UK economy. 
As the entrepreneurs behind them grow into the change makers of the future, they are the ones who hold our best hopes for driving a redesigned and reimagined style of business that works better for all of us. They're doing it themselves already, but we've got to support them with everything we've got. Kelly Devine is the president who runs Mastercard UK and Ireland and is a huge champion. She's part of the team behind Strive UK, an initiative from Mastercard set up as a free resource for small business owners across the country, helping them to navigate the digital economy, build relationships and communities, and ultimately realize their wonderful growth ambitions. Hi, Kelly. Morning. Thanks for joining me. Was that right when I talked about there? Yeah, that's spot on. <laughs> it's, um, it's a real passion of ours to make sure that what we're doing, it's not just a sort of a big corporate ambition, but how can we make a difference to real businesses? I've only ever worked in a big business. Mm. So this isn't about me or MasterCard saying that we've got the answers or we know how to do this. There are people out there innovating, making a difference all day, every day. But it has been about how can we put some of our resources some of the expertise we do have, how can we put that behind small businesses, as you say, to help them reach their potential? I'm glad you said you've been in a big corporate business from day one, so like the stuff that you don't know, because actually so much of what we often think is that we have to have the answers, you know, I've got to play that role, I know all the answers, otherwise we'd become politicians, wouldn't we, Kelly, if we were <laughs> like that? But the truth of the matter is I, I was much the same, and I, and I know when I went out into small businesses and was helping them, actually what I noticed was that kind of loneliness. They were doing everything on their own and it's it's lonely isn't it I mean like, who guides you and I think I always had this dream that some big businesses would come in and partner and I'm actually so excited that I actually see that change and it's I think we've become kinder as businesses though don't you think yeah I think there's a sense of responsibility yeah. now but hopefully in a good way not yeah. not that sort of oh someone said we should do this we need to do it because it looks good yeah. let's do it as a side of desk project but a genuine sense of responsibility and it's good for business as well I mean anything that is ultimately good for consumers anything that is good for the health overall the economic health of the nation the well-being of the nation that's got you know benefits for everyone so it's yeah. a business why wouldn't you want to you know play your part it's a symbiosis isn't it the two go together and I mean you need them as well I mean what is it what percentage of, of your business would be SMEs, small, medium enterprises? So, well, when we look at how much spend SMEs make, because obviously SMEs are receivers of payments and makers of payments, yep. I mean, about a third of all business payments are made by SMEs that we capture at MasterCard in the UK, at least. And then, of course, the number of, you know, the percentage of payments that, that SMEs take, I mean, a third of revenues in the UK come to small businesses. Yep. So, it's you know, it's extraordinarily important to the economy. So, let's look at it. Let's look at the business landscape today. I know when we hear it, the news, I mean, I was listening to Pinker, but he was saying often we just hear the bad news and we don't hear the really good news because it's slower. Yep. <laughs> and I had to go on stage, I think, with Michelle Hussain from the Today programme and she was interviewing me and I just said to her, why don't you talk more good news stuff? She went, who's doing the interview here? But, <laughs> but I, I wanted, we could easily get hung up on, on my doom and gloom out there. We know you know, it's probably the worst financial time that we've been through. And after COVID, you know, businesses will feel like someone's just come out like a boxing glove again. Do you think you've got over that major trauma? Here's the next one. But I believe in hope. And I think if we're optimistic, then actually that energy takes you there. So just when you look at the small business landscape today, what gets you hopeful? 
Oh, I, I think there's a couple of things. One is, it's during the pandemic, as you say, there was this sort of trend for people to to support local business. I mean, partly because mm. you had to, you weren't allowed to go very far. <laughs> um, but I think there was a sort of intent about it. People were like, hang on a minute, these local businesses, what's going to happen to them if I don't support them? And that has actually remained quite sticky since the pandemic has mm. stopped, people are still much more concentrated on local businesses. You know, people aren't coming into London or, you know, the big cities to work every day. So some of that spend is relocating locally. Now, of course, that's changed and that's difficult because, you know, any spend that moves from one place to another is, you know, someone's affected. But it represents a huge opportunity. So mm. I think that's one thing that's super exciting. I think we also realised the power of community and we lost so much. I was thinking about, you know, those years of when I was training and I'm older than you and I started in business in the mid-80s and it was the height of consumerism and it was just about growth, growth, growth at any cost. And I think we lost so much of that sense of belonging and I think COVID gave that back. And interestingly, big businesses like yourself understood that as well and you saw big corporations starting to behave in just a kinder way and understanding that that was the feeling. And I think out of that, it feels that there's become this new business feeling or model that's becoming from this, which is actually we're more than just about delivering profit. We want to create, and I think the word that you often use is thriving businesses. Where have you seen the biggest changes on how they're starting to operate you mentioned the technology and digital piece. Again, really interesting. One of our surveys shows that businesses that were forged during the pandemic are actually much more optimistic about the future. I than, saw that. The businesses that, yeah, that were formed before. One reason might be that if you survive the pandemic and could get a business off the ground during that, then you mm. probably think you can mm. face anything. Can I just talk? Because yeah, I thought I had on that. We were talking about this in the office when we we're strategically always looking at what, why, why is that? And, and someone did some deeper research as well. And, and she's an incredible strategist, so she goes a bit deeper than I do. But she said that a lot of them knew that nothing is, you know, um, you can't rely on anything and that change was at the heart of it. So they're quite adaptable and fluid people, they've been used to that, whereas some of the older businesses were not used to that change, whereas actually they came into disorder and worked within that and found creativity within that. Exactly, and often have been underpinned by the latest technology. Yeah. You know, as technology develops, I mean, anyone who's out there who's worked with some sort of legacy platform or, you know, legacy system or, or even just an old computer, you know how much harder it is to get anything done or drive change, whereas when you get the, all the new stuff, all of a sudden there's loads of things you can do. So those businesses that were forged during the pandemic have been very digital, yeah. you know, update with all the latest technology, as you say, really huge capacity mm. to deal with change, which I've got nothing but admiration for. And of course, that means that they feel more optimistic about the future. Because mm. I, I was found when often when I was talking to businesses, there was this obsession with digital and they separated it from physical. But actually, what we're seeing is this real symbiosis. Digital technology has to be at the heart of most. I don't, don't think many businesses could survive without it today. And yet we're seeing this much softer connection of businesses that are starting to understand the role that they play in society is really important. So it's this mix of the two together. And that's what you want to guide on, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think it's the power of the digital to enable maybe some of the yes. stuff which, which sounds weird right because digital sounds kind of hard you know yeah hard and cold and we think of robots or ai yeah. or scary things like that but you know one of the fundamental tensions i guess at the heart of our business is you know mastercard is based on people buying buying mm. stuff mm. or maybe getting in a plane and flying somewhere 
well, clearly in the future, we want to be doing less of those things, not more. So what does that mean for a business mm. like ours? So we're having to go right back to basics to say, what even is our business purpose? What are we trying to do? How do we make you know consumption more conscious? I mean, that's just one small example, but I think every... That's a massive example, though, Kelly, seriously, because that is a repurposing of a huge business. Because, you know, this is the thing I'm always up against. And people go, oh, you can't, you know, capitalism isn't wrong. And I go, no, 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 no. The way we've done capitalism, you know, to an extent has not been right. And we've all learned, there's a wonderful parable about, you know, these two little fish are swimming in the water and the big fish comes along and says, morning, boys, how's the water? And they they swim on and then one turns to the other and goes, what's water? And I kind of feel (laughs) that's what a lot of us were doing. I had no (laughs) idea of the impacts of what we're doing. And now we do. Redefining that purpose is really difficult. Yeah, and it's fundamental to everything that you do. And you kind of have to rethink it from the bottom up, whilst, of course, at the same time, looking after your customers, looking after employees, you know, keeping to make money. Yes. So, you know, every business is having to do that top to bottom and think about, you know, sustainability, think about your contribution to society, thinking about the communities that you work in, thinking about how you make sure that your workforce represents the places where you're at. You know, all of those things, top to bottom. And, you know, I've got luxury of doing that in the context of a big business with lots of people around me who help me think about those things. Mm. If you're running a small business, you are doing all of that, you know, often by yourself. So let's talk about that because that's something. I mean, I'm I'm thinking about the days when I used to go out to those stores and and shops and, and help them. But now I think their list of stuff that they need to cover like that, that you say, is probably, I think, tenfold. And, uh... How are you helping? There's two things that you're doing. Isn't there? One is the digital support. Talk to me first about that, and then we'll get on to the mentoring, because I think that's deeply important. There's loads of support out there. I mean, I think that's the first thing to say. It's, you know, if you're an SME and you go and look on the internet for support, you're not short of stuff. Mm. But I think when we were doing our research, the trouble is there's almost too much stuff. And if, as we said, you're trying to do a lot of things at once, you don't have time to surf through, you know, a million different places to try and find the right support for you. So what we're doing is we're working with three brilliant charities who have, so Enterprise Nation, Digital Boost and Be The Business. And the reason we're working with them is because they have real experience of working with small businesses f- for years. Um, they've got the tenure. They've, they've, some of them have got physical locations. You know, they're, they're, mm. they know what they're talking about in essence. So what we've been trying to do with them is to say, how can we help um, small businesses, depending on you know what their business is, what stage they are in their growth, what priorities they have, what is the right technology for them to invest in? And how do they get the best out of that technology? Mm. Because we all know you can go and buy something off the shelf, but if it just sits there and doesn't get use, that's an investment you're not going to get a good return on. Honestly, th- th- this is so vital because I've even heard this though, from big businesses where they go, my God, we chose the wrong technology. Yeah. You know, we chose the wrong platform, Mary. And you're like, what? sorry, and like millions. So this is vital, getting that real advice that actually is for the benefit of the business rather than who's, who's advising you by my my wares, as it were. Yeah, and it, and it feels scary. You know, if you haven't got a lot of money, you've got your cash runway that's going to take you, mm. you know, however months you've got cash in the bank to last you for. Making some sort of investment in a piece of technology is a really big deal. And it's quite, you know, when we did our research, people were telling us that that's a scary decision. So they need good advice to help them kind of wade through all the noise and work out what's important for them. Right. Among businesses, the least support is and that financial support is to female and ethnic minorities 
I mean, the fact that we're still discussing it, have you got any opinion on that and why that is? I mean, I think I have, but we won't do and listen to me going on, do we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the numbers are shocking. I think like something like 2% of funding, you know, angel venture funding goes to women-led businesses or, or women businesses. Which, which, I mean, it just blows your mind. It, it really does. And it, I can only think it's because what I call the PLUs, the people like us that sit and make those decisions are all blokes. Yeah, and I, I tell you what, I get very fed up with. I've got a real bee in my bonnet about the women confidence narrative. I feel like whenever you pose one of these sorts mm. of questions, the answer always seems to be, oh, women, they don't have confidence. Mm. They don't put themselves forward. And it just, and I feel like we've been saying that same line for years and years and years. And one is, I, t I really don't see that in the women that I work with. I really don't see a lack of confidence. No, neither do I. Um, but, but two is, it's sort of almost become an excuse for not fixing any of the other underlying problems that might exist. And I wonder if as well as what they see as confidence is that sort of alpha behaviour of, you know, speaking in a way that they feel, yeah, that sounds like confidence, but actually women, this is just a wonderful way that we do it in a different way. And actually wake up to it, boys, if you're listening, that's all I can say. And then the ethnic minorities is even less, isn't it? I mean, it's shockingly low. Yeah, and, and again, the recent research we did showed that when it comes to confidence for the future, ethnic minority businesses have less confidence, right? They're, they're more concerned about the future of their business, which given that the less access to support, given the less access to funding, you know, of course you're going to feel because you just don't have those support networks and that buffer to fall back on. So it's... Um, it's a really big problem. And actually, I was at an event the other day, a really interesting one that we did together with NatWest, where we were looking at um, putting together the whole ecosystem. And this was about female entrepreneurs, but it, it was the ecosystem that supports female entrepreneurship. Because it isn't, you know, whilst it can feel very lonely, there is a lot of other support out there. There are specialist funders, there are people with local expertise, there are networks that you can tap into, mentorship programmes you can tap into. So we need to grow that ecosystem, but also help women see that it's there and actually make it more visible. Are you on that yet or are you planning that and creating that? with? That so way? we initially sort of pulled a lot of those people into a room. I think for the first time we probably had something like 100 different people who play a role in helping women sort of grow and start businesses and I think it's the first time probably that group of 100 people have been in a room together I imagine. Wow. I suppose you know since the lockdown there's been these big discussions around you know what is going to be the future of how we work physically, you know, how much remote working we've been doing. I mean, you were just talking about your, your little son suddenly yep. going, oh, Mum, where are you going? Because he's only remembered, really, you being in... in... Yeah, he wasn't impressed. <laughs> <laughs> it's so heart-tearing, isn't it? It's it is. so... And how old is he? Seven. Yeah, but you've been able yeah. to say to him, I'll be back. I'll and... be back. But also, you've got now FaceTime and that. I mean, I remember when I used to leave my young son and this little face at the window crying, this is right back in the 90s, mid 90s before we even had phones and I used to have to leave if I was in New York on business I would just get my husband to ring and I'd know if I woke up oh he'd leave the message and he's gone to bed everything's okay and I would just that would be it for the day but it was it was really tough being a woman then in, in business and you still must feel this you know yeah even, yeah yeah and 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 I'm lucky I've got a, a brilliant husband we only just got married we've, we've got a seven year old so we you just mean got you married. had a child before you got married I can we just stop this podcast I know oh I know God, it's shocking um, so um, I only just got married so I'm now getting used to calling him my husband but um, he's brilliant so, you know, I am one of the women who is blessed with a super sportive partner who does his absolute fair share. But it is still very, very difficult. You've got two people, busy lives, both jobs that we love, that we want to do well, but families that we also love and we want to be there. 
you know, anyone who's trying to juggle those two things it knows how hard that is. Yeah. I mean, when I wrote my book, Work Like a Woman, this was just right at the epicentre of it. And it has got better. I do. I will say that because it it has got better. There is an acceptance that you can actually talk about your kids. I remember yep. I was reading Yvette Cooper saying that um, she got on a train to go somewhere and um, she was going up to, I don't know, some big Labour meeting and she saw Tony Blair getting on with Cherie and all the, the sort of gang of them getting on the train together and she had her two-year-old. <laughs> she didn't want them to see it because she had to take yeah. and didn't have childcare. And she hid. And I mean, you're like, you wouldn't do that today, would you? So there is a real... Anyway, he ran down the middle of the train with a dirty nappy in the end. <laughs> in the end bumped into them. It was like this. She still felt embarrassed by it. But um, I suppose a couple of things comes up about this. And it, women particularly still, we know, even... In fact, during COVID, it, the, the, the pressures on them was greater than yep. men. Nothing new there. Um, but how do we ensure that the remote workers, which mainly women will be in this instance, because this is the thing that I'm battling with as well, how they don't become the sort of two separated, you know, classes of business, the ones in the office who you notice who are like there and then the one who's at home who you don't but is working. This is, are you thinking about this? Oh, we... absolutely. And it's, you know, on one level, isn't it brilliant that people can work from home so that, you yes. know, whether that's yes. because you can live in a different place to your office, whether that's because yeah. you can be there for your family, whether that's because you've, maybe you've got mobility problems and all of a sudden jobs that are available to you that were never available to you before. So that, great on one level, but to your point, are we now going to have a network of... Hmm. hidden women <laughs> labouring away mm. at not getting the recognition, mm. not getting the opportunities. Um, I mean, I've tried to balance it in mind. We started off on two days and we're now like three because we we call it the power of porters together. When we are together, it's wonderful. And some go, listen, I can do two, I can't do three. But actually, it still creates that sort of flow where they're part of the group together because I do think it is important, but I equally love the fact that We've learned this. My God, we could do so much without yeah. having to do that commute, without having to pay for that childcare, which is ridiculously expensive. It is crazy expensive. I, I think businesses have to think about why people come into the office, right? It, it yeah. shouldn't just, or, or you know, whatever yeah. your workplace is, it shouldn't just be that you come in because it's the done thing. Mm. It should be that you come in with purpose, right? You come in to... I just have fun. You come in to see people. You come in for a meeting to figure a problem out together. Mm. You know, whatever it might be, but not this idea that you come in just because. Because yes, totally, that just doesn't cut it anymore. I, I remember doing um, a podcast. I think it was the, the Diary of a CEO, and he asked me about you know re remote working, and he said I hate it. And I said I actually have to say, after being you know locked down for that amount of time, it wasn't exactly my joy. Another <laughs> Zoom meeting, and that's another thing that's come out of this. Where there used to be phone calls, now it's a Zoom meeting. You're looking, yeah. I say, no, I don't want to look at that person. <laughs> Please just let that be a quick phone call. I do not need a big Zoom meeting being set up anyway. Um, but I did remember the young as well, those young women and young men who were you know working from their bedroom in a flat. Yeah. Actually, we're just, and I've noticed that in my business, they're the ones who want to come in four or five days now. Like, yes, you know. Yeah. Like, or I think we've had two things. So either they're the ones who want to come in or they're people who've moved somewhere completely different yeah, yeah, yeah. so that they didn't have to, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, live somewhere expensive in a studio. They're out somewhere else. But I think the onus isn't on individuals to figure out 
how to make this work. I think businesses have to take it really seriously. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, I suppose. How do then um, you design networks and mentoring so it doesn't end up the case? Exactly, yeah. I, I, you can't just leave it to chance. I think you have to be really thoughtful about mm. who's doing what, who's in, who's not in. And when you're handing out opportunities, when you're thinking about talent, when you're thinking about... Um, reward and recognition when you're thinking about all of those things you just need to make sure you've got really appropriate checks and balances built in so that you're not just doing the lazy thing and it's the person who happens to be sitting opposite you as a female leader and i suppose you know in a in a male dominated industry which it is when will we ever stop saying that you uh, might still well, the that. Stat, well no the stats say it'll be what do they say something between 30 and 50 years if we keep going at the current rate you so, could be laugh, i'll be dead yeah, well, I'm not sure I'll be around either. Well, certainly not in this industry, if that's the case. <laughs> there is, I, there is a, I do genuinely believe that COVID gave us a gift to reassess, don't you? I hope so. I hope we don't waste it. That's what I do. There was a there's Gershom Scholem, who was a incredible philosopher, German philosopher, that in the um, post-war, he talked about the plastic hours when trauma hits and something so huge has affected the way that you look at the world and that actually that's the time those plastic hours when change has to happen and you need to, when that change does happen it really does stay because something so fundamental has shaken the world and the human psyche so I, I really do hope that's the case so getting back to female um, and male dominated were there any people that you looked up to and who were your inspiration and support and you don't have to answer it because I I found that very difficult as a question but I thought I'd put it in for you because you're very clever <laughs> well I don't know about clever but I've, I've been lucky I've had two people I've been super blessed with two bosses I've had one of whom was just set my expectations mm. for myself exponentially higher than they had ever been before you know I don't come from a you know a sort of you're not a show business no Same I'm not here. I was the first person in my family to go to university you know it, it, I, no one where least, did you grow up in Streatham so, right, so you're a Streatham girl? Streatham girl, yeah. Lovely. And so, what sort of school did you go to? Just a normal state. See, yeah, normal there we go, school. listening, listening, talk <laughs> me through, because this is important, this is what people want to hear. So, did you think, I can't, Not just that, it's not even I can't, but was there part of you that wouldn't believe that you'd get to there? Because I was the same way. I didn't even know that I could. Yes. I, I don't think it was a You're the little fish in the water, you didn't Yeah, know. I didn't know it was there. I, I've, I've, been, I've not got a confidence problem. I just didn't know it was possible. And I had, um, I have to give HSBC a plug on this front, I um, applied for a job at a local um, branch when I was 16. And I, you know, ended up, and no, don't, don't know exactly what the process was, but for some reason I got the chance to go to head office. And I saw, oh my God, there is this whole world out there that I had absolutely no idea. Yes. And it completely changed my sense of yeah. what I could do with my life. So that, yeah, one boss there who, who was helped a woman me or see a man? the potential. Was a man. Yeah. Yeah, we will let them in. They are good. Mine was a man at Harvey Nicks. That was, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and often, you know. It is, because that's was. They I were. mean, at that time in life, that, yeah. was, that was sort of what it was. And I have to say, my other, also a man. So just purely by coincidence, I've had some brilliant female bosses as well. But when I took this job, when I started at MasterCard, I started at MasterCard seven years ago, and they said to me I could work four days a week. And even when I took a more senior role at MasterCard, they said, oh, if you want to keep working four days a week, that's fine. Which is really big then. I mean, talking seven years ago, did you yes. say? Yeah. Yeah. 
And they actually meant it. You know, I did. Yeah, actually, yeah, yeah. I didn't work five days a week and get paid for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and most companies will let you do things like that, but when you get to a certain level, they sort of manar a bit and go, mm. "Oh, I don't know mm. if that's possible." So um, I've been lucky. I've had loads of great bosses, but those are the two who have made sort of helped me make transformation. You know, those big steps that kind of set you on a different path. It's so interesting when you talked about. I mean, we we do get educated. I mean, I, mean, I look at my kids in that generation, have the world that they're able to see, which I just didn't know. Exactly. Existed. I just didn't know. And I think, you know, we won't get onto this because there's so much that, you know, we've been talking about, but the, actually the education system, what does it show you on that? You know, and it really is down to your parenting. And, you know, my parents didn't have that idea of what was out there. You know, for my, it was like you left school and you either went to uni or you trained to become a teacher or I went to convent. You didn't train to become a nun. That was the last thing they'd have put me through, <laughs> that's for sure. And I suppose we're talking about this because mentoring is key to your Strive initiative. How are you getting mentors? How's that working? The reason we started with the mentor piece, I suppose, is it sort of comes back to this idea of people need or have a desire to learn from people who've been there and done that. Yeah. You know, you someone who maybe someone who looks like you, you know, this idea of, of mm. you know, seeing female role models mm. or seeing ethnic minority-led businesses and seeing how they've been successful. That's what creates the path for others to be the same. Uh, that's really interesting. Someone who's got the cultural sort of resonance the same, you know. Yeah, and yeah. we, you know, we, I think the importance of role models and showing that it can be done and, again, that sense of what's possible. So I think it's sort of partly that and it's also partly, obviously, people who've got hands-on expertise, people who have done it and have learnt the lessons firsthand. So that was really the intent, I suppose, but why it's not just a sort of online fill a form in, here's a recommendation of the kind of technology that might be right for your business. That is paired with talking to a real person. So I I love this idea of mentoring. I really do. I mean, actually, my daughter asked me about it. She said, Mama, who do you think of mentoring? And I looked at her and I thought, well, hang on a minute. Excuse me, you got me. <laughs> it does get a bit emotional sometimes. <laughs> Let me tell you. Um, how do you pair it? How does it work? And these are all these people giving their time for free, these yes, mentors. Yeah. exactly. And so anyone who wants to find themselves a mentor through this programme, you can Google Strive UK. And then on the website, there's a link to three different charity partners who are doing, you know, who I mentioned, who are doing different elements of this programme with us. But Digital Boost are the ones who are providing the mentors. So if you click through to them, you can say a bit about who you are, what it is that you're looking for, what particular expertise you need. And then they will match you up with someone who can hopefully help you on your way. I mean, I suppose at the heart of this and what I am enjoying about this, that I have great hope. I'm an, I am an optimist and I think, you know, I think you must be because otherwise you wouldn't be in, in the game that you're in and you wouldn't be at the top of the business that you're in. Um, is that I suppose really this, I feel that we're in this sort of sharing space now where we've learned that we're all interconnected and actually that's where the power is from being in an individualistic society and even the way businesses were run, you know, there's that competitive edge whereas something really lovely has happened. And we are, and I think that's why I'm, I'm getting quite excited about this, we are seeing more young women as well starting businesses. What would you leave them with? What would you leave, that little bit of advice that you'd leave young women with? Don't be afraid to be ambitious. I think ambition is such a dirty word. Yeah, it's Lady Macbeth, isn't it? More yeah. than Michelle Obama. Yeah, yeah, you're not allowed to, to have ambition, really. Otherwise, there must be something slightly suspect about you. Mm. And I think... You know, you, I speak to women through this program who have set up businesses as a side hustle from their day job, and at some point, they're you know they're going to take the leap and turn it full time, and they pour hours and hours and you know all their cash reserves and into their businesses. 
why wouldn't they be ambitious for what their business can achieve, what impact they can have? Why should they feel ashamed to go to a possible investor and say, this is what I'm doing, this is why I'm doing it, this is why it's going to be, you know, successful in the future? Yeah. So that uh, they are doing it. You just, you know, be confident enough to tell that story to others. I agree. And when I think about women and the ability and the capabilities that women have to genuinely do so many things... Just remember that. Look at your life as well and go, you know what, I I know. Look what I have done and look what I'm able to do, whether it's young women who've got young children or whether it's young women balancing family, social networks. Women have an incredible ability to do a lot of things. So ambition, not in the Lady Macbeth sense, (laughs) but in the sense of Michelle Obama, because you can do it. We need to spread that. And I'm going to end on this because... I can't bear podcasts. When they come on, they go, and we are sponsored by... (laughs) Well, I am being sponsored. I'm actually partnering with this team at MasterCard. And the reason I wanted Kelly in today is because actually I believe fundamentally in this. This is going to help small businesses. It's not a promotion. It is a joint partnership. And um, I will be getting in with these guys into bed, literally, Mm -hmm. uh, because this is really key. So do sign up. Go and see what they're doing. And um, the future looks rosy for SMEs. We need you all. Thank you so much, Kelly. That was wonderful. Thank you. 